Hello, what's going on here? Another GM's journal already? Hasn't been a week yet? Yeah, well, I had a few good messages and I've also had a few rambly bits. So, kind of worried about my episodes becoming too long. And, yeah. You know what? I don't care. We're going to stick it out anyway. So, hope you enjoy it. Have fun. Welcome to the Roleplay Rescue Game Master's Journal. My name is Che Webster, and I'll be taking you behind the scenes of my own Game Master journey. Each journal episode features my audio notes recorded here and there over the weeks between my regular gaming sessions. It's a pretty candid snapshot of my inner life as a gamer, so you have been warned. Game on. Hi, Jay. It's Vance. Hey, just listen to your DM Journal 15 there, and the part when you're sounding, you know, obviously gutted after talking about watching the How to DM YouTube series, and it, you know, you are obviously a bored GM or whatever he defined that as. Um, you know, I've heard criticisms of him. I've heard criticisms of Matt Colville and was D20 and every other but person that shows has a how to DM thing. It's just like, you know, you know, all those various books on how to write, you know, I, maybe I can take Stephen King's advice. Maybe I can take John McPhee's. I don't know. You know, you have your style, use it, own it. You know, is everybody having fun? Are you having a good time? That's to go with it. Don't make me come over there and have to kick your butt. Anyway, have a good day. Take care. Bye. Yeah, all right then, Vance. Thanks for thanks for that. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I was um, not in a good place, so I don't know why I do it to myself. Actually, I think I kind of keep reading and looking at stuff and listening to different people, and I don't know why I do it because in the end, I usually end up, you know, annoyed or upset or confused. Perhaps it's because I am looking for tips. Perhaps I'm looking for ideas that I haven't come across before and uh, occasionally I find them, but mm, not so much on YouTube. Anyway, thanks for calling in, man. Great to hear from you, Vance. Okay, Jay, it's Vance again. Listen to your follow-up episode where you are sounding much more positive and creative and all that jazz. Anyway... Um, yes, we have such a great breadth of myth and history and various genres. Why don't we tap a little bit more into that? Uh, we were going off last night on MeWe on just that magic isn't weird enough. Anyway, and yeah, it's kind of that gen- genre bending bit that, you know, there's even the anecdote from, I think, Arneson about... You know, their original concept for Greyhawk was it was some far distant post-apocalyptic world, Earth, that, you know, similar to probably like Vance's um, Dying Earth stories or something like that. So, you know, it runs deep. Anyway, have a great day, man. Take care. Bye. Not quite pulling a Jackson there, Vance, but hey, awesome to hear from you again. And yeah, genre bending um, really been on my mind of the last week or two. Or three. 
Uh, Egg of Coot, you know, from Blackmore. The Egg of Coot. Wasn't that an alien intelligence? I mean, it goes right back to the roots of the hobby. I don't think back then anyone thought of it uh, as a, a hard barrier between fantasy and science fiction. And I don't see why I should. So, you know, thanks for the encouragement. And uh, yeah, I am in a better place. Thanks, man. Hey, Che, it's Rich. Just listening to your GM journal number 14. And I got to say, I feel you on that GM drag. Uh, it, it gets to a point where I don't want to do prep. I've got two solutions for that. Um, first of all, I over prep. When I'm prepping for something, I prep the crap out of it. And I've got two or three sessions out of it. Um, and in my uh, worlds where I'm doing sandbox, I've got crap scattered all over the place that I can just drop in. Second solution is when I get excited about something, my players get excited about it. So I prep stuff that excites me. I also try and keep my players in mind, but more so I try and keep their characters in mind. Um, it's really important to me. And I just thought of a third thing. Uh, Sly Flourish's um, Lazy GM. He's got a second book out, uh, Return of the Lazy GM. It, uh, he sets prep down and cuts it down to like 30 minutes. So even you could force yourself through that, through that I think. All right, man. Keep it up. Take care. Thanks, Rich. Great to hear from you and great ideas. Thanks for all those suggestions. It's awesome. Sly Flourish's stuff. Yeah, I've been playing around with that on and off over the last few months. Um, yeah, sort of to some greater and lesser degree. There's bits I've picked out of it. If you listen to past uh, GM journals, you hear me like picking bits that I want out of it. Uh, the other two tips, though, are great. You know, and I think the idea of prepping for you play characters is a really good one. Of course, you know, with the game I've got right now. They haven't made the characters yet, but hey, good tip. I like it, and I really appreciate you calling in, so um, please don't be a stranger. Catch you later, man. I spent quite a bit of time um, talking about this multi-genre setting that I wanted to work on, and yesterday I spent quite a lot of time looking around at some World War II stuff, I bought myself a copy of the second edition of Bolt Action, which I'm barely sure I might have bought in the past, but I'm, I can't find it. Why? My roots in gaming go back to wargaming. My father brought me up on chip and board war games and talking about miniature war games. My father never himself got into miniature wargaming. He considered the cost of the miniature soldiers to be too high. I can remember being punished for spending my pocket money on toy soldiers. But I grew up on wargaming and on reading Don Featherstone's books and many others about wargaming and looking at pictures. As I got older, I collected my own toy soldiers, despite the punishment. And my roots are in wargaming. When it came to role-playing games, it was quite natural for us to want to use toy soldiers. And I can remember that the reason I bought those toy soldiers, the first ones I bought were science fiction and fantasy ones, especially sci-fi ones. And I can remember playing with them using both Traveller and Star Frontiers. I'm not sure we really got into painting them. But there you go, my roots were in the same things as Dave Arneson's and Gary Gygax's, really. 
when I went to university, um, I met my best friend Derek, and he's into tabletop wargaming too. I think he's the one who really introduced me to Warhammer, and certainly the first to really introduce me to playing Warhammer 40k. I'd heard of these games, I knew of them, and again, I'd seen the um, books and stuff around, the miniatures around. I'd never been in a position to really afford them, and with my father, you know, hovering over me, saying, sort of trying to stop me from getting into wargaming um, with miniatures, it was very difficult for me to sort of bring those home in those days. It wasn't really until after university when I started working for Games Workshop that I truly entered the world of wargaming. And I've talked about this hiatus in role-playing games. But that hiatus in role-playing games started as I went to university. Um, and oddly, we never really played at uni. We were far too busy <laughs> being students, I think. And that hiatus ended when I left um, the stores and entered King's Workshop's head office in 1998. It's a really strange thing. While I was working from 94 through to 98, those four years when I was working in stores, role-playing games were considered to be a forbidden thing to talk about, actually largely in the games workshop community they were the other weird hobby that nobody really wanted to talk about anymore apart from obviously customers who'd come in and talk about how we had sold out the entire D&D hobby and tell us that we were evil bad people <laughs> not something I'd ever personally been involved in terms of decision making but there you go I like them had collected White Dwarf and read the copies of uh, you know the early the early issues, because my dad collected them. But anyway, in 98, when I went to head office, is when I met other GW employees who played role-playing games. You know, the games designers themselves were aware of them and played them. And everybody, there's a richer, far richer kind of sense of the hobby up there as a broader thing. And I'm but in all that time, all the way through to 2006, when I left Games Workshop, I was involved in miniature wargaming hobby. Skirmish gaming being the thing I really loved the most. And anyone who knew me from back then would know, you know, it's how I supported uh, Tim Eagling's 40k in 40 minutes being brought to War White Dwarf and being made part of actually our tournament system when I was creating working with Jervis on the on the Games Workshop tournaments and my involvement in uh, Battlefleet Gothic and other games. It was a really creative time for me and a really exciting time for me. And whilst I've never been a sort of top-notch painter and modeler, I learned the skills that I needed. And I guess that all came together um, in the very exciting moment that Games Workshop decided to step back into the role-playing games market. There were a few things that kind of came together. I don't remember the order, 
but I remember the Inquisitor tabletop game being created, which was the nearest they got to a role-playing game whilst remaining a tabletop skirmish game. And then the re we went through the playtest for Warhammer 2nd Edition, and eventually Mike Mason led the Warhammer 40,000 role-playing game development with, again, the Inquisition as the focus. All of that later, obviously, was licensed out. But um, we were there in the early days of all of that. And I remember feeling like, finally, we've brought the hobby back to the hobby. (laughs) And uh, I don't know, where am I going with this? In my own hobby, my roots are in tabletop wargaming and role-playing side-by-side. I understand wargaming and I understand role-playing and I understand them in relation to one another. And I realise that in my own sort of wanting to create right now, those two things go hand in hand. I want terrain on the table and miniatures on the table. And alongside that, I want the detail and visceral detail of role-playing games. I noticed there's a lot of memes around. Um, I oh, another term I hate. <laughs> but anyway, um, there's that meme of the guy sitting at a table with, uh, you know, a big cup of coffee in his hand, leaning back, looking all arrogant, with a sign which is they change regulate whatever they want it to be with a change my mind thing on it you may or may not know what I'm talking about but I saw one yesterday just yesterday which was you know role playing with miniatures is just is just war gaming change my mind and I thought as if that's a bad thing I really don't understand this prejudice against war gaming it's the entire root of our hobby ladies and gentlemen Without Gygax and Arneson playing war games, without all their mates, the Twin Cities especially, playing war games and experimenting with different approaches to those scenarios in gaming, you wouldn't have your role-playing hobby. And there is no need to be a snob about it. But anyway, yesterday I bought Bolt Action. I want to have a look through, I love World War II gaming. And I've always wanted to have my own skirmish gaming um, in World War Two, And obviously there are some fantastic miniatures produced by Warlord Games. Fantastic stuff, absolutely amazing. And of course at the same time I'm reading the Savage Worlds rulebook and I'm realising that, you know, those guys who designed that, again, they come from a wargaming background. If they didn't play GW stuff back in the day, I'd be very, very, very surprised. And the two things kind of resonate for me. And um, there's a lot that I want to do there. It explains why I want to do the 2.5D dungeon stuff and why Christian Richards' um, 2.5 materials just appeal to me so much and I want to use them so much. Um, Why I always want to fight combat with miniatures. It's just so much more precise, but it's also much more visual and tactile and that's a big part of my hobby for me. The problem is, of course, that I've not made time for that side of my hobby, really, that part of my hobby. Um, 
it's the bit that's withered away simply through time. Because, you know, as Janet and I were talking about the other day when I interviewed Janet Forbes from World Unfill, she was saying it's far easier to put on Netflix than it is to do your hobby. And I think I need to rediscover some elements of my hobby slowly and in small stages. The problem with miniatures is they're so expensive and they can be, you know, it's the hobby is the addiction. <laughs> but um, that's a part of my hobby. It's a part of who I am. And uh, denying that is a mistake. Sunday afternoon and it's been a productive little hobby day. Spent about an hour and a half today building some of the 2.5D dungeon stuff from Christian Richards' uh, Crooked Staff Publishing. You can catch his stuff on YouTube and download for free the files to print off. But basically what you've got is floor sections and wall bits and other bits of texture. And if you watch the videos, you can you can kind of make a nice dungeon, really. I've been using some 5mm foam core and I've got some of the printed sheets which come from squarehex.co.uk uh, and Christian very kindly sent me some sample bits of those that he had left over and had not a lot of use for right now um, and previously I had actually bought myself a set of them um, but I think having some freebie bits from Chris has really helped me to just kind of dive in and get started I think I was kind of a little bit nervous about it and it you know it's kind of easy stuff really it's you know use your Pritt stick glue the stuff down to your foam board or cardboard and then cut it out neatly or as neatly as you can and then trim in some wall sections and you know glue it together and you're done the most fiddly bits of doors and other such things but um for now you know doing a few tunnels and a few rooms it's a lot of fun and it felt kind of positive to do that today of course while i was doing that all i could think about was soviet and german institutes running around in this dungeon um, <laughs> our kind of gravitas. Uh, World War Two meets fantasy is kind of something that is really clear in my mind right now, and I really want to make something of. Um, and on top of that, I, I picked up um, finally, although I'd had a copy of Bolt Action from years ago, uh, Warlord Games, twenty-eight millimeter World War Two War Games rules. Um, there had been quite a, I think, some time ago. Um, the book I've now got in my hands. Um, She's the second edition of that. It was published in 2016. Um, so no, my luck, they'll probably bring out a third edition really soon. But I got a copy of it um, pretty cheap off Amazon, actually. About £10 cheaper than it normally is. And I've been wanting to do World War II um, gaming for a while, 28mm gaming. And it's nice because it kind of you can start at skirmish level and go up to probably about company level, which is kind of nice. I like tactical games. Um... And I really love their miniatures as well. Warlord Games do some gorgeous stuff. And I really, you know, really enjoy that. So going to have a look through that. I'm thinking of my first scenario I want to work on with Arcana Gravitas is something to do with World War II meets fantasy. And um, the third thing I've been thinking about and using is Savage Worlds. And it occurred to me today that um, with Savage Worlds and the way it kind of works, you could easily probably... I mean, I haven't tried it, but you could easily, I think, run a skirmish game with no wildcard miniatures, no player characters, actually. Uh, really fast kind of skirmish battles, and um, that appeals to me as well. Something that you can do. One of the things I like about Savage Worlds is the idea that, yeah, players could run a hero, but they can also run 
um, you know, lots of um, supporting characters. I think one of the key design ideas uh, from the game, um, and I think what reveals the more games and miniatures background of the guys who created that, is this idea that you can run, you know, kind of large units of troops, squads, even platoons of troops in Savage Worlds. Um, and because it's kind of very easy to track how, you know, the figures are either up, down or out. So basically it's really easy to track and has the simplicity of a tabletop skirmish war game, but allows for the detail and role playing of a role playing game. And I really love that about the game. Um, and that's kind of got me excited as well. So I don't know, I don't know where I'm at right now, um, but I'm starting to make things and do things. And I think that's a really positive thing, um, a really positive step. Um, I think the action of creating a verb is the thing that I'm, I'm trying to pull forward. It, again, it comes from Austin Kleon's book, Keep Going. But this idea that, you know, you need to be creating and that means doing stuff, whether that is writing or in this case today, whether that be modeling, making, you know, and scribbling notes. But here I am making progress. There is like the most incredible rainstorm going on this morning. It started yesterday um, about 10 in the morning and it's pretty much been going on non-stop. I'm sitting in the car park at work in the car and uh, honestly I just spent 10 minutes um, meditating but um, <laughs> that's gorgeous really. I don't know why I um, thought I'd do a quick journal but um, I felt that I ought to. So tonight is uh, supposedly normally would be a games night with kids and that's obviously cancelled because I'm on detention duty. Um, but hey, it's not all bad. The weekend progress of making some dungeon tiles and stuff and um, it kind of got me excited again and up my energy. And I feel like um, the imagination is kind of churning right now. Um, I've been reading um, Warlord Games Bolt Action as well. That's got the imagination churning too. Uh, I love my World War II, so it's nice to be able to be back in touch with that in terms of gaming. And it's also nice to have this continuous reflection I've been having about how actually role-playing and wargaming are much more closely aligned than a lot of people want to admit, actually, or are comfortable with, perhaps. And I'm not pro I don't have a problem with that. I just really don't. I just see gaming as gaming. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just don't have a problem with that. What I need to do is I need to get into finding a space to write on a work day. Uh, at the moment, that's proving really problematic. I'm having to take Deb to work in the morning, so I, I used to be able to get 20 minutes or half an hour in the morning, but I'm not I'm not doing that. And so it's really me on a mean evening, and at the moment I'm so tired in the evening that uh, I'm just kind of like crashing out. Um, I'm talking quite literally about half past eight in the evening, I am just dead to the world. Um, and part of that is I'm out of habit. I kind of need to put in an hour or two in the evening, and um, that's a good creative time for me if I'm if I go for it, if I focus, if I make it to the table to write. Um, there are exceptions, obviously. There are times when I'm really not awake enough, um, but I know I need to do that. And so I think um, that's got to be the goal for tonight. It's got to be sort of get home from work and spend a little bit of time with Deb and have some food and all that. And then I think I do need to sit down and. and 
try and have an hour or two creatively and uh, that's a kind of a goal I've got to set myself over the next few days and weeks. Anyway, I'm blithering on um, and I don't think there's much content, it's just, wow, <laughs> sitting in a car and listening to the rain and it was gorgeous. So, um, I'll let you listen to the rain for a sec. Alright, so I've got a box. I just had a delivery. Um, it's from America, United States Postal Service box. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what it is. I, I'm expecting one thing, if you like, um, that's apparently been dispatched. Um, now, this is from Trollord Games, so I know that, um, I know that's what I was expecting. It feels heavier than it should. By the way, while I'm on the subject, I forgot to mention this, actually. Last time I was complaining about packing chips. And then about a day after I recorded that, and it's obviously in one of my previous GM's journals, uh, I was saying that in relation to opening the Trollord box. And I have to say, Trollord, I discovered, don't use um, bad packaging material. They have packing chips. They are made of corn, apparently. Corn chips or something. And, um, yep, I've seen the evidence. I've seen the video. Um, which you can you can look at uh, if you catch up on the Facebook page, I think, um, of one of these chips dissolving in water. So these chips are entirely biodegradable, um, and that's awesome because uh, it's the thing that always bugs me when I'm having parcels delivered. You know, so well done, Trollor Games, for having biodegradable packing chips because yay! Um, oh my gosh. I've been sent the Amazing Adventures Companion. Um, by Jason Vay, which is for uh, obviously Amazing Adventures, which is a Castles and Crusades Siege Engine um, game for multi-genre stuff. The Companion, this book basically, if I remember correctly, contains like loads of guidelines and ideas on how to take it out of the classics 20, 30, 40s era and put it into other eras, um, which is awesome. Along with that, I have the Amazing Adventures Book of Powers, um, which basically is exactly what it says, really. Um, a sales book for... What are we allowing? It allows you to construct exactly the abilities you want for your character, build your powers from the ground up. So basically, apparently, if you want to do like angels versus demons or you want to do superheroes, this is your thing. In fact, there's a whole section here entitled Angels versus Demons. That's just cool. Um, so that's a softback. The, the first one, the companion, is a hardback. And it's a softback. And they're gorgeously packaged. And I've also got the Amazing Adventures... Manual of Monsters. Well, hey, just so cool. Um, which again is exactly what it says on the tin. Um, extra stuff. And finally, another copy of Amazing Adventures. Now, guys, I got this troll. I don't know if Troll is still doing this deal. Um, it's been on for ages. But basically, you can have. The Manual of Monsters, The Amazing Adventures Rulebook, and The Amazing Adventures Companion for 33 bucks uh, in hardback. And that's just a steal. So um, that's what I did. And of course, Amazing Adventures 5th Edition is currently kickstarting. Um, and I believe that sometime in the future there may be um, you know, more Amazing Adventures for Castle Crusades coming. But awesome. So I now that means I have two copies of The Amazing Adventures Rulebook, which means I have one to use at the table, which is brilliant. 
got the Manual of Monsters, I've got the Companion, and I've got the Book of Powers. I've pretty much got all the cool rule books for Amazing Adventures, and that isn't the item I was expecting from Troll Lord Games. Result. Um, I'm so chuffed, that's just so cool. And of course, it really encourages me to get my arse in gear and start planning and prepping Amazing Adventures games. Thank you, Troll Lord. Thank you so far. So fast getting that stuff here and so well packaged. And yep, the corny chip things, you know, that the biodegrade. <laughs> uh, I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, game on. Oh, wow. I just got to capture this moment. I've just, um, just received a notification from Patreon. Okay. And um, basically, I have a note here from the Armchair Adventurers. It's all shout out. It says, Hi, Shay. I gave you a shout-out in the extra grognard files. You keep me inspired... You, sorry, you inspired me to do my own GM journal of Expo. Keep going. Game on, Dirk. Dirk the Flipping Dice has just backed the Patreon for Roleplay Rescue. I mean, the grognard files. Like, as far as I'm concerned, the flipping podcast that pretty much got me into podcasts. Dirk, I'm so excited and so grateful that you have become, like, our 18th patron... And, um, man, thank you so much. Thanks so much for the call-out and shout-out in your episode. And thank you so much for backing us as well, supporting us. It's such an honour. I'm totally made up. It's just kind of like, woohoo, made my day. Dirk the Dice, ladies and gentlemen, Grognard Files. If you're not listening to that, by the way, you know, you better. That's it for another GM's Journal episode. As always, please let me know what you think and drop me an anchor voice message to share your response. My goal is to create a community of discovery about role-playing games in which you can feel accepted, whether as a player or as a game master. Come and join the conversation. In the meantime, all that's left is to wish you a fond farewell and all the best at your gaming table. My name is Che Webster and this has been a Roleplay Rescue GM's Journal episode. See you again on the flip side. Game on. Hey, Joe. Thanks for your message. Um, I, I can be a bit of a cheeky chappy at times, um, but uh, I hope it comes across that that all comes from a place of love. Uh, I'm a huge fan of what you do, and I really appreciate your uh, support and applause and encouragement um i must admit i rarely listen through the anchor app so uh that's why i don't really uh applause much but um yeah i understand that uh sorry i'm sitting in the cards but just walked past i'm just aware i feel very uh self-conscious talking into a phone but i could be having a regular conversation with a regular well not to suggest that you're not regular. Um, anyway, that's enough of me. Bye. <laughs>